let us pray. Oh, the children can leave. It's time for the little ones to go out, and uh, they'll be taken care of in the back. Let us pray. We come to you this morning, our Lord and our Father, and we can call you Father. Paul said in Romans, we can say, Abba. And that means actually the word Daddy. A small child, uh, a small child reaching out to a father, asking of him to come closer, to pick the child up, to hold the child close. We come to you this morning and we say, Daddy, will you please pick us up? Will you hold us? Will you embrace us? Will you please protect us from a world that is really very confusing and dangerous and strange? Time and time again we are reminded of evil and its power in this world. Time and time again we are reminded how Satan is also using individuals in his hand to cause death, destruction, havoc. But you told us we will not be exempt from these things. You told us that we will live in a world that will continue forward, where we will see two different forces, you on the one hand and Satan on the other hand, him trying to overthrow your government and your kingdom. And here we are, part of your kingdom, your govern government. And we know that you are with us, that we may ask of you to hold us, to protect us, to provide for us. But this we know for sure, whatever happens, no one and nothing can take your presence away from who we are and can take our faith away because that belongs to you. Bless us this morning as we are seeking guidance also in your will and in your word. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I'm sorry. While we were gone, this stupid shooting took place in Texas and it's terrible. I'm not going to preach about this. I made my sermon before we left. Um, but it's just terrible how, how um, these things continue to happen in our country. But that's for another day. A point of no return. That is an expression that people in the aviation industry know very well. When you get in a plane, and we did a few of this the last week or so, and the thing is ready to take off, then it starts to go along the runway. And at some point you say to yourself, is this thing going to drive you to your destination or actually take off? There's a moment while this plane is going down the runway that the guys in front know they don't have time to stop in time anymore. They just need to get this thing in the air because there's not, see, many times not enough runway left. You cross this point of no return. Then you fly. And at some point the guys in front know, the pilots know, Whatever happens, they can't go back. They don't have enough fuel to return to, their, to their, where they departed from. They now need to get ahead. They just need to continue to where they need to go. For us, a point of no return is when you sign that document, that contract to buy a new house or a new car. And then you go to bed that night and you've got this bias remorse. What did I do? I signed this document. Was it the right choice? But you signed the closing was done. You got your new car. It's over. Can't take the thing really back. A little bit closer to all of us is this corner here, Conroy Windermere and Dr. Phillips. There's a red light there, camera. So you drive towards the light. 
it suddenly turns yellow. Am I going to stop and have the car behind me in my trunk, or am I going to try to just go through a point of no return at some point? Then you just yell, ah, and you go through the light and hope you don't see a flash in your rear mirror, isn't it? A point of no return means it's almost inevitable that you need to go forward. You can't turn back anymore. It's done. You need to go through. Today we are going to discover a story that seems to be a point of no return in the book of Joshua. <laughs> I started this series, I think, three weeks ago. We had one week missing. Now we are in chapter 2 of the book of Joshua. Now, you need to know one thing. I can't read everything for you, so your homework is to study this book well because we are going to go through chapters in this, in this, in this series of mine. And in this story I'm going to read today, I'm, I've selected just a number of verses. Otherwise, we will probably read for half an hour to read all of this. That's in chapter 2. The story of Rahab. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab. Spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you, entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. But the woman took the men and hit them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. She had forever brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. She came up to them on the roof. That's now a little bit different section. There's stuff in between. She came up, on, up onto them on the roof and said to them, I know what the Lord has given you, that the Lord has given you this land. And the dread of you has fallen on us. And that all of the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Huge section that I'm not reading. It continues. Now then, since I've dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. She said, according to your word, so be it. Or, well, she sent them away and they departed. Then she tied the crimson cord in the window. A life that seems without a point of no return. We must understand one thing, that in the ancient times, women had almost no value. It was just how it was. Women couldn't really do any trading. They couldn't really go to the marketplace in the middle of the town and trade and do certain business things. Women were supposed to be home and take care of the children. They had to work in the fields many times while men did some other things outside. What gave a woman value was the fact that she was married. 
if she was married, she had some standing because her husband would then take care of the daily things that had to be done for this woman as she was living among other people. A woman without a husband was in trouble because she couldn't do any of these things because she had no one to intercede for her when anything had to be done for her, what administration was concerned, or a life, or whatever. Rahab, it seems to us, is a woman without a husband. It's a woman that has a very interesting profession. Uh, she's got a broken life. Why she's a prostitute, we do not know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe she was forced into it because of poverty. Maybe it was a choice. We do not know, but it seems as if this is now her life that she is living. So a woman without a husband, a prostitute, I promise she has almost no value in that city or that town. You can imagine the kind of interactions she would have with the other women in this town because all of them knew that she was the local interesting girl that was living in a wall. To live in the wall was also not the best place to be in this city. A wall is damp, it's dark, it's cold. It's the most dangerous place in a sense because whenever they attack, the first thing they break down is the wall. And these walls were not built with huge concrete, you know, slabs and stuff. It was mostly built with like, like clay bricks that they had. Sandstone. You know this, that I was a month or so ago in, in Israel. And I was surprised that all the buildings are built with the same material. It's a sandstone they have there. That is almost, that's sturdy, it's okay, but it's, it's, it's in a sense soft also. So living in a wall is, is not the best place where your, your security, is con security is concerned. In a sense, maybe for this woman, a place to hide. To be away from then what the people think about her. So I asked myself the question, if I could have Rehab here today and say, Rehab, let's have a chat. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about your, your, your dreams. Let's talk, talk about you know, what you think about life. I don't think much would come back. I think she would have probably told me, well, well, I'm going in this direction, and that's it, and I'm just trying to survive. There's no, not really hope for me to get out of this position that I am in. Day to day, struggling forward, stumbling forward. Not much to look forward to. Can't see really any hope for me. I think I may have passed the point of return because I'm just living, trying to survive. Then the spies came. <laughs> Why they went to rap is interesting. Uh, it's not, I think, because of the reason that we think you normally go and hang out with these girls. I, I think they, they went there because they knew it was probably the only place where it would not draw that much attention if guys would go into a house of a woman. It was on the side of the town. It was in the wall. So they probably just found a place where they could hide and get sort of away from, from the other people that could see him. But it didn't work that well because the king knew about their presence. The king knew that they came. And then the conversation. This conversation is so important that it's written in the Bible. So I asked myself, how did this conversation found its way into our Bible. The people later on just thought it out. I don't think so. Because as you continue to read in the book of Joshua, the spies came back and they told Joshua exactly what happened with them in the town of Jericho. And the reason why they had to tell the story specifically and correctly was because of a deal they made with this lady. And we will get to that in a moment. So they came back and they told this story that by some 
one or by someone was actually then written down or memorized or whatever. And that's why in the year 2022, we can read about a conversation that took, a place, uh, took place between two spies and the lady in the wall. What do we discover in this conversation? That Rahab comes and she says, we know about you guys. More, 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 we know about your God. We know that when you guys left Egypt, God opened up the Red Sea. And we know the story when Moses touched the water and the water opened up and they could go through on dry foot. That story found its way, it's 40 years later, that story found its way into all the people that were living in that known world about what happened with the Israelites. And then they knew about these two kings that the Israelites took out. And they took the kings out because the kings wouldn't leave them alone. They went through these regions and they said to the people, just leave us alone. We are not here to take your territory. We are just wandering through this desert. Leave us alone. But these kings came after them. And then the Lord said, well, if they don't want to leave you alone, take them out. To very strong kings that were sort of subduing all the other nations in that time. She said, we know these stories. And we know these are not normal stories. These are stories of an amazing God that you guys have that we do not have that can do these things. It's impossible to be quiet about the work or the acts of God in this world. What Rahab knew was only 40 years of what happened with Israel. She didn't know the story of Joshua, uh, the story of Joseph and other things and Abraham before that. She just knew the story of the the trek of the Israelites. We know way more. We know about Adam and we know about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. We know those stories. We know about Ezekiel and Isaiah and all the other prophets and we know about Jesus. You see, there are constantly these stories about the acts of God in this world that cannot be hidden. It will come out. And every time when I drive around, wherever I go, I see a church and a cross. And this cross reminds me of one of the most important great acts of God in this world that the world cannot hide from. A flight to South Africa is 14 and a half hours from Atlanta. Coming back at 16. Do you know how many movies you need to watch to get through this lot? <laughs> and terrible movies sometimes. You sleep like for six hours and there's ten hours left on your way back. And I was watching, I can't remember what, you know, you're in this zone. So I can't even remember what I really watched, but there's one thing I remember. Almost every single movie I watched, at some point they would use the Lord's name in vain. Jesus Christ! At some point in my life it really irritated me. Now I sit in the, in the plane and I watch this movie and I say, yes, you can't get away from the living Lord. You even bring him into a stupid movie because you can't get away from Jesus. You can't. They think they are using his name in vain. I sit there and I know they are using his name because God makes sure that people remember Jesus. Even in a stupid Hollywood movie, you can't get away from his acts in this world. Can't hide from it. God is on the move. And God has always been on the move. He's on the move in the history. We are actually writing the last, not the last, the second, no, the next chapter. Let me say this correctly. We are writing the next chapter of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not done yet because the church is still busy with its work. And what is the task of the church? 
to remind the people of the great acts of God because we know them, we have seen them, we are a part of it. And the world knows it. The world is trying to hide as if they do not know, but they actually know these things. They are just trying to ignore it completely. Melting hearts. Not only my heart melted, but our town's heart, all the people in our town, their hearts melted when they knew that you guys were coming. My Bible tells me, and David writes about this, he says, who can stand before God and not fall on his knees? Who can really be exposed to the mighty acts of God and just ignore it as if it's not important? You know, I, I've asked myself the question, if this town of Jericho would send out their king, when this all was encamped on the other side of the Jordan, the Jordan is not this mighty river, it's like a stream. If this king would go out and say to Joshua, hey, hey, to jo- uh, Joshua, hey we need to chat. Can we, can we talk? We as a city have heard about the great acts of your God. We give ourselves over to you and your God and just want to be a part of what God is doing. I wonder if the story of Jericho would have been different. I honestly believe this with all my heart. And the reason why I believe it is because we have a story that tells us that you can turn from a point of no return. The confession. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. You see, you can be afraid of God and say, oh, God is, you know, this God there. Or you can say, God, you are my God. You are the one. You are the only one. That's the difference, I think, with Rahab. Her heart not only melted, and melted means her heart didn't only just accept it, the reality of who God is, but she actually recognized who God is for her. Your God is the only one. Your God is the only one. The whole story of the Old Testament has to do with God revealing himself to people that he may be known. God wants to be known because God wants people to know that he wants to save people. And that's what the next sentence is. The request, save me and my people. And that's exactly what the Bible tells me in Revelation. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. The story of the Bible is God saying, I am doing everything in this world that you might know who I am and all I ask of you is come to me. Save me. Save me and my people. This is a similar story in the book of Acts chapter 16 verse 32. 31 actually. Paul and Silas sitting in prison and they're singing a song you know, they've got all these chains on and they start to sing and then suddenly there's an earthquake and the door open of, the, of, this, of this prison, Roman prison, and the chains fall off their arms. And the prison guard thought that they had left and he wanted to kill himself because it's way better to die than to fall in the hands of the Romans when they think you allowed prisoners to escape. And I said, no, no, don't kill yourself, don't do this. And then he asked the most important question that anybody can ask. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. And you and your family can be saved. Because if one believes, then the others will also hear about the faith. 
the faith that you need to have in God. Sirs, what do I need to do in a sense to be saved? Save me. Me and my family. Because God is in the business of saving. So Rahab had a choice. She's a woman of almost no... I'm almost done. She, I'll get to number 10, then I'm done. I'm number 6. Then I'm not almost done. I'm halfway done. So, so Rahab, Rahab had a choice. She had no value. The king came to her and said, Hey, there are guys with you. Give them up. If Rahab would say, I've got them, king. Here they are. She could have for a moment maybe be the savior of Jericho. She could have, when these spies came into her, before the king asked for her to give them up, she could have gone to the king and said, hey, I've got these bad guys that's actually our enemy, and if you are fast, you can find them. They're in my house. She could have chosen the short-term gratification route to please the world and the king. And maybe for a moment or longer, receive a reward from people, applaud. You are cool, Rahab. You, you, you saved us for this moment. And ignored what she knew about God. Maybe that's what we see when we watch TV and all these people around us. Trying their best to seek attention, do all kinds of stupid things and say stupid things to get some kind of attention, some kind of reward and value. Even though they, even they, even that, even though they know they, there's a God behind all of us, ignoring because it's now for the year and now. The second option was to hide them as she did. That's a terrible option. Because if she was caught by the king, she would have not only be killed, she would be tortured. Tortured. As you can hear, I didn't speak much English in the last 10 days. A few Afrikaans words slipped in, but Luis knows. You guys won't hear them, but they are there. What sounds like bad English are actually sometimes Afrikaans words that I'm saying in between now. She would be tortured by the king and the people. So here she sits with an option. I've got these guys. If they found out that I hit them, it's going to be terrible. On the other hand, if I give them up, whoa, a reward. What determines her choice? Her fear of God. Her respect of God. I think that's what makes us different in, the, different in this world. I think you and I, when we are outside in the streets, when we make a choice, sometimes the choices are not easy to make as a Christian. As Christians, we sometimes miss out on a lot of things, and people don't always like us for who we are. But I assume that you and I, as we live our life in this world, are making a choice because of our fear, our respect for God and who He is. And therefore we choose not the world route of short-term applaud, but actually obedience to what God wants me to do and you to do. The crimson rope, we know the story. She let them out with this rope down the window, down the wall, and they said, leave this red rope hanging. 
It's nowhere in the Bible, but everybody would say, well, the redness of the Bible already, of the, of the redness of the crimson rope already points towards Jesus. If you want to believe that, fantastic. It's all good. Maybe there's some symbolic value in it, that this rope that was red and saved her in the family, that the redness reflect the blood of Christ that saves us. But that's, I just wanted to say this because everybody wants to know about the rope. Mm. A woman, rape, tell me your story. Ferdy, I'm on a track that's not an easy one in the town of Jericho. I really have no value. I'm used and I'm abused. I need to sell myself that I can feed myself and maybe my family. I'm not respected. I'm in no way valued. I'm looked down upon. I've been doing this for such a long time, but I don't think there's any hope for me or change for me to make a difference in my life anymore. The one that had this conversation is named three times in the New Testament. By faith the prostitute rare because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient Hebrews. In the same way was not even rare the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies. Send him off in a different direction, James. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And in a lot of words, I'm not going to read all of those. Solomon, the father of Boaz, who, uh, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David, the father of Solomon. And it continues. Rahab in the line of Christ. A woman that had no name, no place, no nothing. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, mourning, Joel chapter, Joel chapter 2. I've had countless people in my life say to me, I don't think that I can be saved. And I would say to them, why do you think so? They said, Freddy, you do not know my life. You do not know what I've done. You do not know where I've been. Then there's the fear. Have I committed sin against the Holy Spirit? That means that I can never be saved. Sin against the Holy Spirit is one thing. Total rejection of Jesus Christ with knowledge about who He is. That's all. That's it. If you know enough about Jesus to reject Him, that's sin against the Holy Spirit. That's all. That's it. But you can't sin against the Holy Spirit just by sinning. And countless of people walk into my office with a head bowed down and say, I'm not really sure if I even can be a part of the church because of who I am, what I've done. I don't think there's any way out or in for me. Then I can tell him the story of Rahab. A woman that thought that she was beyond the point of return. And here the Lord comes and through two spies and entered the city. And through her confessions he could receive what God wants to give all of us. Salvation. Life. Hope. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, 
to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me, hold fast to my covenant to them I will give within my house, within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of the sons and daughters, of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Isaiah is referring here to the people that are the most looked down upon, the foreigner and the Enochs. The Lord says, they believe in me. Mine. Mine. You will meet a lot of people, hopefully this week or maybe as you continue with your life, that may say to you, I think I can't be saved because I've done so much wrong. I don't think God can love me anymore. Tell them the story of Rahab. Tell them the story of Rahab. As you and I continue with our living outside, remind people of the great acts of God. If they ask of you, what have you done and what's going on in your life, try to remind them of good things that God has done for you. How God has touched your life. The story of Christ. Because through these stories, God can save and will save. Because that's what God's business is, to save people. Amen.